And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2CC. Well, it's no surprise, it's Friday once again. Boy, that comes around quick, doesn't it? And joining me in the studio, as he does every Friday afternoon from Envision Financial, Luke Smith, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Here to talk money matters once again. And this week, we're talking about can I afford to retire and what do I need? Now, I can answer that question right now, Luke. (laughs) I cannot afford to retire. I'll be working until I'm 106. But for people that are not working in the commercial radio industry and maybe have a slightly better (laughs) savings plan... (laughs) What do they need to know? Well, uh, look, uh, this is this is quite topical at the moment because I find the better prepared you are to come and see somebody like me, your accountant, whoever else your trusted advisor may be, the more information you can have at your fingertips, which can take a little bit of time to accumulate, will give you the ability to have greater clarity around the must-haves, the things you'd like, and then the potentials for the new car, the place at the coast, extinguish some debt. So today we just want to sort of touch on things that people can do to improve their understanding of their cash flow because I find when I ask people, so what do you think you need to live on at the moment? I don't know. What I earn? More than I earn? Have to ask my partner. Coming in to ask me if you can retire... I liken it to saying to a builder, how much does a house cost? Well, the builder's going to ask you questions like three bedrooms, four bedrooms, cinema, big kitchen, pool, garage, four cars, two cars, all of those sorts of things that they're going to want clarity around to then be able to price a house for you and give you an indication of what your objective is going to cost. Retirement is no different. Coming into me and saying, I've got fixed expenses of approximately $30,000. I've got two years of school fees to finish for Billy. I want to be able to go overseas on a $10,000 holiday every year and I'm going to buy a new car with my wages before I retire. Is all really good information to be able to try and quantify how much do you need and what are you living on. The other thing that I, I find people do out of default because we, we herd like animals and we have similar friends in similar situations. For, for, for many, many years, people have come in, sat down and said, Luke, we're just average people. We are not extravagant. And, and, and myself and, and Iman, who's, who's, who's in every meeting that I have, have a little chuckle because that's the same thing everybody says. The funny thing that we have then, the next sentence could be anything from, I just need $50,000 a year to live and I'd have an amazing life. Or one I had about two weeks ago, I just need $400,000 a year. But Luke, we shop at Target. (laughs) It's funny, isn't it? Everybody's average. Exactly right. (laughs) And that's exactly my point. Because as we are sort of social herd-like animals, you're going to have a social group that is in a similar lane to you. So within your social group, you probably are average in that bubble. Yes. And I think what I want people to keep in mind and to, to sort of consider when they make that comment is what do you need? Not what your friends need, not what the ladies at the photocopier need at work, not what the lads at golf tell you you need on a Saturday. Know what you need and I'd come at it in, in, in sort of the following methodology. 
What are my fixed costs that I know I'm up for? Heating, electricity, gas, some car regos, a boat license, a gun license, all the fun things that you've got to have to do the things that you want to do. And you can collect that information because generally speaking, outside of the impact of inflation, your fixed costs are going to be generally pretty consistent throughout the year. Your electricity is about the same, your heating bill might go up through winter, but you can look back and say, all right, we spend five grand a year on electricity, 2,000 bucks on water, $3,000 registering cars, $2,000 on car insurance, X on the kids' school education, and whatever else your other fixed known knowns are going to be. Now you're starting to sound like Dick Cheney and that other fellow that used to be in the uh, U.S. Department of Defense. <laughs> known knowns, unknown knowns, known unknowns, unknown unknowns. And, those those yeah. things, yes. And that's, you know what, that's generally what I'm working with, the unknown unknowns. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and yet people want an answer like I know the answer. Um, but if you've got your fixed costs worked out, you might say, okay, there's 20000 30000 bucks that we need to exist. What am I then going to want to be able to spend and do? Oh, we'd like a holiday. We'd like to be able to go to Sydney and see the kids. We'd like to be able to go to Melbourne. We like going to the coast. I like chartering a boat and going fishing. Add all of those sorts of things up and get to a number that will holistically address what you want to be able to do when you get out of bed. It was Donald Rumsfeld that finally came back to me. Right, there you go. <laughs> exactly, confused the whole world. Yes. Um, so if you've got you've got fixed costs, you've got variable costs. Now you can you can work out what you're generally living on because most of the time there's one person in a family unit that will have a better understanding of the domestic expenses. What are the kids' school fees? What do we spend on groceries? What are we up for here? What are our subscriptions? How many TV channels have we got? You know, understanding where it's going can be as simple as opening up the notes app on an iPhone putting in there November and just taking a photo of everything you spend your money on. It's really not difficult. Petrol station, photo, save, shopping, groceries, coffees. Just get some receipts, stick it in the November folder, sit down at the end of the month and work out where your money went. Oh, I'm spending $35 a month having coffees. I'm spending $135 a week having lunch. What are the things that you are going to have to understand? Because PayWave is like kryptonite. Mm. To understanding a budget. I've got to say, though, there is one benefit to PayWave. It's a direct uh, withdrawal from your bank account, whether it's mm. your credit card or your transaction account. Yep. You will get a bank statement that will itemise all of those expenses. So Correct. that's another easy way of keeping that diary. And I was that was going to be where, if you can't do that, go to a credit card statement or go to your, go to your banking app because they allocate a lot of stuff really well now so you can get some good quality information in different areas to be able to work backwards to what I need. Because you then come into me and say, I need $100,000 and I have a million dollars in super, that's a 10% drawing, okay? So that's gonna come under duress <clears throat> over the medium to longer term Yeah. because if an average super fund returns seven to eight, you're eating into capital. And you'd only need a couple of periods where we have some market weakness where you could be eating into more capital. So. Having a clear understanding of how much do I need, fixed and variable costs. If you can if you can buy the stuff you want prior to finishing your employment, buy the new car, pay off the house, offset the place down the coast, you know, buy a new engine for the boat, wh- whatever it is that you want to have as a, a large lumpy item, if you can pay for those before you turn off the income tap, 
I find a lot of people have comfort in that because they don't want to be eating into superannuation because that mentality of will I ever have enough starts to become far more prevalent when you don't receive a wage for work. So once you've broken down your costs, you then need to have a look at your super fund and say, on average, what would my fund generate to meet what my figure is? And if you can generate a 4 to 5% income stream from dividends out of your super fund, that's $50,000 out of a million. If you're living on 80, you're taking 3% of your capital each year and that doesn't allow for any increase in its value. So your million dollars on an $80,000 income stream would be very, very sustainable over the longer term. Yes, you'll have times where it goes up and down, but yeah. if you're accessing a little, a small portion of your total investments in addition to the dividends that you earn, then you can have huge amounts of peace of mind to know that your money will last and you can live the way that you want to live because – You've, you've done the high yards and now it's about just having continuity and peace of mind when you move into retirement phase. A lot of people have been worried about rising interest rates and, of course, people who have mortgages are chief among those who are worried, also mm. those with business loans, of course. Mm. But for people with superannuation and uh, other forms of investment, those higher interest rates can actually mean better returns for your investments, can't they? Correct. Now, that that's a two-edged sword because... If you hold traditional fixed interest assets and interest rates go up, yep. that means that the capital value of your investments can come down. Right. So people need to keep in mind that you're exactly right. It's a great time to be investing in the fixed interest space <clears throat> because now we know that you can get term deposits in excess of 5%, which 10 years ago, that was that was unheard of. Yep. So we've come back to a more appropriate level of fixed interest investment because for the last decade – the retiree has been severely punished and, and all investors have been punished in the fixed interest space because of how low cash rates were. So again, from a peace of mind perspective, holding 30 or 40% of your portfolio in fixed interest assets, whilst the name says fixed interest, you need to keep in mind that fixed interest does not mean capital protected. Now, a term deposit is the closest thing to no volatility you'll find outside of cash. Um, which is great. And, and as you say, if you can get better returns now because interest rates have gone up, now we're solidifying the earnings from your investments as a greater proportion of your total annual expenses, which is which is wonderful. So it's a great time to look at rising interest rates for that portion of the community. It's absolutely sensational because retirees have had to take on more equity risk over the last decade to generate a better income stream. Well, now fixed interest is coming back to a more appropriate or long-term average, which helps people generate 5% plus and then combine that around other asset allocation factors. You know, you can be generating 8 to 10% total return with 4 to 5% of that as distributable income, which is really, really important. I find the two things people worry about when they retire is where's my income coming from and am I going to offset inflation with some capital growth? The other question I wanted to ask just quickly while we're on the topic is that uh, some people might only have a, a relatively modest superannuation fund when they come to the end of their working career. And at that point, of course, uh, you might also qualify for the aged pension from Centrelink. Mm -hmm. 
and the interaction between the two uh, complicates the calculation of how much you actually need in order to generate a modest income that you can live on. Yeah, look, exactly right. And I think, again, we need to look at this holistically and think, well, okay, am I eligible for Centrelink? And if so, with the assets that I have amassed, what will be my percentage of a full pension considering the income test and the asset test? So again, it's important to be able to have a relatively concrete number to then be able to say, well, can I and can't I achieve it? You might get $25,000 out of your superannuation as income, and you might get a further fifteen dollars to $20,000 of combined age pension between a couple, for example, depending on your asset levels. So that's another resource in conjunction with something like part-time work. For me, if you can say no to gainful employment and continue to live the way you want to live, you've effectively retired. If you choose to go and do something for your own mental stimulation, mental health, physical well-being, or just to save your wife from killing you because you've <laughs> never been home so much, that's totally fine. For me, you're still retired because if I give people a choice and I say, save me $500,000 in super or earn me $25,000 of part-time income, what's easier? And everybody sort of looks at you for a bit and goes, well, the working part. So now we're looking at gainful employment as a resource to fund your lifestyle. Not because I have to, because it takes some pressure off the capital in my super. Yes, it may have an impact on your Centrelink entitlements, but nobody's got upset about having that social interaction in a workplace for your own mental well-being and some additional money that you can generate through gainful employment working Saturday and Sunday at Bunnings. Um, that'll be a job I never do because asking me how to use anything in Bunnings, <laughs> it's not that I don't like Bunnings, love Bunnings, love paying, love leaving, mm. but love asking for help. Yep. So me working at Bunnings in retirement, not, not a great idea. You could be a delivery driver. <laughs> you know what? I'd love to mow the grass for the government. Actually, that's, the, that's a good one too. Yeah. yeah I've got a ride on. I'm getting pretty yeah, good at it. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to do that in retirement. <laughs> so ACT, Parks and whatever, if yeah, you're listening. Become a groundskeeper at yeah. Monica Oval or if something. If I retire in the next 10, get me a job and a, and a ride on lawnmower. Fantastic. They've got those great big tractors. So that's oh, heaps of fun. They're the best. Yeah, absolutely. So exciting. Luke Smith from Envision Financial is with me in the studio today. We're asking the question, can I afford to retire and what do I need? Back with more in just a moment. Luke Smith from Envision Financial is with me in the studio as he is every Friday afternoon. And today we're talking about, can I afford to retire and what do I need? Well, Luke, we've covered a lot of ground so far. So what are the key things to consider when you're planning for your retirement? Yeah. So as mentioned before the ad break, I think Understanding your fixed cost is important because that'll be the foundation of the minimum amount of money that you need to be able to get access to. That could be through your superannuation fund, rent from investment properties, cash in the bank, or part-time employment. Understand where it's going. That's the personal side of, oh, I don't spend that much on that. Uh, your bank statement says that you do. And I find a lot of people really underestimate that and you know, when, when you get down to the nitty-gritty and they can't find fifteen dollars or $20,000 over an annual budget, you sort of go, do you reckon you got this right? And they're like, well, um, oh, um. And I think everybody's prone to doing that because the general assumption is that you don't live on what you think you do. But as you said earlier, go to a bank statement, go to a credit card statement. It's all centralised, it's allocated, and a lot of these apps now at the banks, they're great. Or as we mentioned, collect your receipts for a couple of months and, and have a test run. 
you know, when people come and see me and they're, they're you know, a ways out from retirement, try and live on that amount and see what happens. And then they'll come in after three months or six months and say, well, I think, you know, we probably needed this. But again, it's a great exercise to focus your attention on where things are going. I liken it to buying a new car. You buy a new car and then all you see is the car that you like or the car that you bought. This is very similar. If you focus your attention on where your money's going, you can get clarity and peace of mind around knowing that it is actually correct well before you turn the income tap off. Um, track your spending, quarterly basis, half yearly, um, use technology, you know, it's, it's your friend. Work out what's in super and then and, and, and make some assumptions around what your superannuation will generate in relation to income and growth. I've always been an advocate of controlling the income distribution in retirement because even when markets are weak, the income profile of your assets will generally be sustained. Um, and consider part-time work to bolster your cash flow just to either protect the capital value of your investments or to improve the quality of the holiday that you have. If I give people a choice and say, do you want to spend 50 grand on a holiday at 5% of your million dollars or would you like to spend 25,000 and get a little contract for three months and earn 25 grand? Very often they take the contract because of that peace of mind factor that they're going to have a great holiday, but it's not eating into their capital. So they regret it when they come home because a lot of people live with the fear that it may run out. Um, so working on a part-time basis is a wonderful resource and you're still retired because you're not doing it because you have to. You're doing it just to improve the quality of the decisions that you make. So if you're going to address a few of those key points, I think you go a long way to being very comfortable with how you're going to fund your retirement and having some accurate numbers so there are no surprises when you both or individually step away from work and, and then go it on your own. Indeed, and of course, just don't forget when you're working out what you are spending, it's easy enough to say, oh yes, I spend a couple of hundred bucks at the supermarket every week, but don't forget all the coffees you buy every time you drop into the bookstore and buy another book, all of the other little incidentals that you might not think of, and of course, the uh, the annual or semi-annual costs or the quarterly costs, don't forget you do pay for electricity every three months, exactly. and uh, of course, that all adds up as well. So Luke, where can listeners get more information? Yeah, so office number 6260. 4749. We might have a, a couple of spots before Christmas available. Uh, envisionfinancial.com.au on the internet. We've got the podcast, The Strategy Stack, and Luke Talks Money on iTunes and Spotify. We've got Envision Financial Canberra on the YouTube. Um, we've got The Strategy Stack, a handle on the Tiki Tocker. And all of these budgeting strategies are in Smart Money Strategy, your ultimate guide to financial planning available in all good bookstores, Amazon and Booktopia. And have I ever mentioned an ideal Christmas gift? A wonderful Christmas gift, and we'll be uh, we'll be giving away some copies leading into the festive period. Oh, that's something to look forward to. Luke Smith, thanks very much for joining us today. See you next week. Luke Smith from Envision Financial on 2CC.